Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Behind the Veil, a show that provides insight into the world of weddings. I'm your host, Keith Wellard. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm so excited because our guest is planners. But before I get into his introduction, let me introduce my uh, Behind the Veil co-host, Marcy Gutenberg, with an affair to remember by Marcy. Hi, Marcy. So... I am so excited. You know, I adore Colin Cowie. I am just, I'm a huge fan. And see, so and, now, and now I am a fan because, you know, we started talking a little bit before. And I mean, I was trying not to rattle on like a high school girl. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I'm I'm so excited. So, you know, our, our guest today is one of the well, most well-known wedding planners and event planners in the country. He was recently listed in Vogue as one of the best wedding planners in the country and has been featured on Martha Stewart Wedding Magazine more times than I can count. His client list includes big names such as Oprah Winfrey, Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Aniston, and Tom Cruise. Let me pick up that name really quick. And now he's out with a new book. The gold standard, giving your customers what they didn't want, know that didn't know they wanted. Hello. Welcome to the show, Colin. Hi, Keith. Hi, Marcy. Very happy to be with Hello, you today. Colin. Oh nice my goodness. Seriously, thank you so much thank for you. taking the time for being on, on our little show because it, it really is amazing. Your your customer service, even on this interpersonal level, is outstanding. And it says a lot about you and, and your brand. So I can't thank you. I can't well, it's think always about being ahead of the curve, right? It Absolutely. really, it really is. And, you know, and that's one of the things that we were talking about re- before we got on the show, because I asked you, it's like, when did it, when did you change it to be lifestyle versus event planning? You said, I've always had it that way. Yeah. I've always, and, it, and, and how you uh, adjusted to the reality of COVID, it made perfect sense. Yes. Can you t- yes. talk a little bit about that? The fact that that you know your brand adjusted slightly and and was able sure. to really. Well, I mean, I had just thrown this extraordinary wedding in South Africa. It was my own wedding <laughs> on the o two 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 of this this twenty second of February twenty twenty, yeah. and uh, I got back and a week later we were in lockdown and yeah. the only thing that was coming in were the wedding bills and the cancellations, Whew. right? Yes. And we, we just saw gazillions, I mean, millions and millions of dollars of work just move to the next year or the year after or just get canceled. Right. So I had to get really smart very quickly. And you know what it is? When you work so hard, you know, there's no iron team. I have an extraordinary, extraordinary group of the most amazing people who work with me. And the yeah. last thing I wanted to do was say goodbye to all these people that I spent years and years mentoring to do what we did. Right. So, I put those that I had to put in unemployment, I did. I kept those that I needed to keep. I trimmed all my expenses as quickly as possible. And I redirected our energies and said, let me think, who would be using or need my services now? And the people who are in the midst, big, big developers, corporations who have bought resorts or hotels that were in the process of uh, refurbishing them, I figured I could find a place myself and be able to come and do some services. So I set my eyes in South Florida. Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I came down here. I met two develop, three developers. I went back to New York with two contracts. Eight weeks later, I had a home and an office in Miami. And I spent the last two and a half COVID. years building an incredibly profitable and very busy business, right. providing banqueting, programming, interior design, uh, 
the best ways to kind of program and, 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 and look at a resort morning, noon, and night, spring, summer, right. winter, fall, and how do we program them according to the senses of what you smell, touch, taste, see, and hear? So in some areas, I was the interior designer, and other areas, I said, where the interior designer and the architect leave off, I take over to bring right. it alive, to give right. it a soul, to give it a revenue stream, <clears throat> and to make sure that every time you come back, there's a new offering. It keeps you excited. I mean, always something new to talk about. And those two customers led to another five or six customers, and some of these projects are two and three years long. So it became a very, very exciting, and I've always, I know I've always done this on the side, but I've never taken the time to say, let's create a new business, let's call it Thrive Hospitality, let's right. come up with you know, our guiding principles, our mission and our vision statement, and actually put it under one umbrella. Because previously I'd worked, as the, I was the creative director for NetJets, I was the creative director for the Mirror Hotel in Hong Kong, and I've done a lot of consulting in other right. businesses, but I never really paid much attention to sharing it with the outside world. So now I said, let's take all these skill sets, put it all under right. one umbrella, go and knock on the right doors and see what happens. So now the event crazy. business has come back and we're in the midst of an event revolution right now. Yes, we are. Yeah, yes. It's crazy I right seen, now. I haven't seen work like this in a hundred years. It's unbelievable. <laughs> And then you you brought up the fact that you were director of of these of net uh, director of create I'm sorry I didn't write it down creative director, director of NetJets and you, that's a full time job plus you had your company and also planning events right or did you whether were you doing that job and that was not included as as your day to day in your your company listen the, the, let's put it this way the events have always been the backbone of the business right. right. But I've done so many things in and around that. You know, in the last 35 years, so long I've been in this business, it's crazy. You know, <laughs> I published 11 books. You know, I had my own television show. I did yes. 16 hours of morning show television, you know, between the Today Show and the early show. I had my own line of housewares and products, which I sold to Home Shopping Network for seven years. I designed product for JCPenney. I designed product for so many different retailers. And had worked as a spokesperson. So, you know, events have always been the foreground, but I've done right. all these lifestyle auxiliary events around them for the last 25 years. When do you sleep? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I was about to say, because I mean, I, you know, I have a little tiny business here in South Florida and, and I, I'm always stressed out about like the next event, next event, next event, you know, trying to, to make sure that we're being all things to all people. And Marcy's same thing, you know, with the invitation world, the, the pressure of making sure that everything is perfect all yes. the time. I can't even imagine having to now take on the responsibilities of being a creative director for these big companies on top of planning weddings and events. How do you, you know, it? it all comes from developing and building extraordinary teams making yeah. sure that your people know exactly what's required of them, giving them all the skills, protocols, and tools that they need, and then setting them loose, right? Because mm. the more we want to hold on to everything, the less we get to scale. And right. The thing in our business is how do we scale from one event to multiple events, from one right. team member to the staff of 30, right? So that everybody is doing what they're supposed to doing, so the whole engine is moving forward, not just one entity at a time. Well, talking about backbones, as you said earlier, Brooke Logan Stoner, hello. I told you she'd slide in here. 
<laughs> Alyssa, Alyssa, how are you? It's nice to see you here. Um, so, for the record, everyone that's watching, I'm going to probably piss off every little guest we've had. Um, I was actually on time, but the vacuum charger cord is not the same as the, um, the ring light. So... <laughs> I've been sitting here patiently listening. Oh, God, that's funny. So, Colin, you you planned your own wedding. I find this fascinating because I, you know, my husband wouldn't let me plan my own wedding. He said no um, because he's like, I need you to be here. Do you blame him? Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> but I was reading over some of the fun things that you did, and one of the things I found fascinating is that you actually opened a bottle of Dom Perignon with a saber. Oh, I've done it a thousand times. I can do it with my eyes closed. Can you really? I find that it's the best way to open champagne. I I usually like you know pop it open like everybody else. I mean, I don't have a saber hanging out, but I mean, come on, Star Wars. I know, but was that something that you like? Did somebody teach you that? I mean, is that one of the things that you were like, okay, you know, because I I, I started doing that maybe twenty, thirty years ago. And the interesting thing is, it's very easy to do. Is it? Mm. Yes, it's so simple. Every bottle. Yeah. It's got two sides to the bottle. So when the bottle is fused together, there's a seam. Right. Right. So you notice the bottle is also indented at the bottom. So you put your hand in the indentation. Right. With the seam at the 12 o'clock position. Right. You remove the foil at the top. You remove the cage. You leave the cork in. Take the back of a heavy kitchen knife, not a saber, a heavy kitchen knife. Okay. Slide it once, twice, and then just crack like that. The tip of the knife, it will slide up the neck. It'll hit right into the corner of the neck. The bottle will open, and you'll have champagne immediately. Awesome. And I, go, oh, I can't believe a case it. of cheap champagne. I'm going to get a case of cheap champagne. I was just going to say, I'll you'll try it out over the weekend. In fact, you know where that started was. I should rewind the clock and tell you about the the, the proposal. Yes, so, please. Yes. So I, I said to Danny, let's go. We're going to go to South Africa, and we're going to go see my family. But before that, we're going to go on safari. So I went on safari, and the second morning of the, of the safari, I had a helicopter come and pick us up and take us on a helicopter safari. And right the helicopter started flying us to the top of God's window, which is about you know, 2,000 feet up in the air, the most beautiful, the most green canyon in the world. Right. And as we came over the top of it, I'd had a crew go up there four hours earlier in the same helicopter, and I put down a sign that was 75 foot long and 12 foot tall that said, big letters, Danny, will you marry me? No. Yeah. And then the helicopter landed and the picnic was all set up and I opened the first bottle of Dom Perignon with a saber that I'd bought with me and it's a bottle of champagne I'd kept for 15 years. Screw up, good year, yeah. That's how you do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like screw the Goodyear month, and that, you know, and that and that and that was the engagement. And then I had, yeah. you know, I had about a year and two months to start planning an epic wedding, and it was. I, so I brought half of my team from Los Angeles, team from New York, and I hired a local company in South Africa, the South African School of Weddings. Right, became incredible partner for me, and we planned ten days in South Africa. So there was a smaller group that came to the same place where I proposed, a place right. called Kubili House. And that's where we, you know, we started the 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 the, uh, the festivities there. Then we all flew to a place called Belchafonden, where I took over fifteen different game lodges, and had all of our guests staying in the different game lodges. 
And on the second night, (laughs) on the second night, we threw this fabulous party called Glamouflage. I saw that. Some your favorite exotic animal. Your zebra outfits were fantastic. It was amazing. It was an (laughs) epic party, a great way to start everything. I'll cause that in the party. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, we flew everyone to Cape Town, all in one plane. Right. And we had a couple of events in Cape Town. One epic one was was a beach party which started at noon and finished at 10 p.m. Also another wild, crazy party. I saw and then the we took everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, then we took everyone to the vineyards, to Boschendal, yeah. where we did a big family dinner. And then the wedding was on the 22nd on a Saturday. And it started at 6 p.m. in the evening, incredibly elegant, until midnight. And then from midnight until 6.30 a.m. was the other side of it. It was an epic night. I mean, you're just talking a whole nother world uh, compared to, you know, I mean, wow. Listen, I've been in the business. I've done it for so many people. I might as well do it for myself. So the one thing was having my team with me. It allowed me completely to to relax and to join, to be in the moment. And then, and they, they helped put the logistics that were happening moment after moment. God, how did you meet your, your now husband? How did you two meet? So we met at a small little restaurant nightclub in uh, New York called Omar's. Yes. Quite yes. a trendy spot. And right. uh, we met and we chatted and there was this immediate amazing energy and, and electricity. <clears throat> and I left. I never <laughs> took his phone number. I never <laughs> asked him for his number or his name or anything. But always in the back of my mind, I was like, wow, I wonder who that was. And right. six years later, six years later, Omar's opened up town. Right. And we met at the opening up town six years later, and no. have been together every day wow. since then. Yeah. And was he? And did he do the have the same thing? Was he also saying, you know, I wonder who yes. it was, or did the he same say, thing. or did he open Martha Stewart weddings and go, oh, there he is? <laughs> uh, he doesn't. He's a financial trader, so probably Martha, Martha weddings Martha. was not on his radar. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were you were together how for six years and then got married or four and then then married and then and then, and then we were engaged for a year we had yeah. a big wedding to plan and uh and so we've been together about what eight, eight years now that's amazing did you ever i mean when you were planning all of these weddings because this is one of the things that i was really surprised at when i got married i just never really thought i was going to be the person that got married to be honest i never, I never thought, thought i was ever going to get married i thought right? this was something that i did for other people me too and that's what I'm like. And then it was such a, a weird spot to be the groom and go, wow. So this is what they, what people go through. Okay. It was amazing to like, you know, <laughs> when you thought you'd fallen in love so many times before. Right. And then all of a sudden you turn 55 years old or 56 years old. Right. And you think, oh my God, that's what I thought was love. This is the movie. Very Cinderella. I was scrubbing the floors. I was not walking down the aisle. <laughs> well, let's just say I'm, I'm the first two are for practices. So, so I'm in practice. So. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say how many were my practices. So we'll just leave it there. <laughs> what I found really awesome also is that you guys didn't exchange rings. You exchanged bracelets. Correct. These are them. Oh, my God. So oh, those why, are nice. Why bracelets so, and not rings? He doesn't like rings. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. So too. so what we did was I commissioned Jacob and company to make these for us. Yeah. And then at the ceremony, they were intertwined. In the beginning of the ceremony, they passed from each guest. And each guest put them against their heart, made a wish. 
did the full circle of the, all of our guests, and then we did the actual ceremony. No. Yeah. That was layered. That's layered. beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, that really says a lot about, you know, the, the love and, and joy that you wanted to put into your own event, you know, and, and take it to that next level and do things that I've been doing, like a curved dial. I loved your curved yeah. dial. I thought. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, and instead I of having love like, that. the bridesmaids on one side and the grooms on another side, I said, we're not 24 years old. So it's right. a gorgeous French living room with people sitting and people standing. So it, was like a, it looked like an Annie Leibovitz photo shoot. It ah. was incredible. And then all yeah. the girls were nine con gowns. You know, he's my best friend. So he did all the gowns for everyone. And they were ombre, which was yes. a gorgeous yeah. ombre, yeah. FYI. I was like, you know, when people say, oh, you can use that as a cocktail yeah. part dress. I'm like, yes, you probably could. Because they were gorgeous. <laughs> but, and, then, you know, and then at the end, I literally opened a case of Dom Perignon Rosé that I flew in from France. Yes. Okay. I think we went through like seven or eight cases that night. And I opened them for everyone to enjoy, to jumpstart the festivities. We sat down to the most impeccable, beautiful dinner. Right. And uh, it started off with the world's, uh, with the most famous classical pianist out of Europe. She did a small repertoire. And then we had dinner with this wonderful jazz band. And yeah. uh and then at the end, we had the three African tenors come out and do two little operas for us. And then we went to the first place to dance, where we danced till one o'clock in the morning. And then there was a different DJ, and we made our way into a nightclub that we'd created, and he played until 6.30 in the morning. See, I would have been like 11 o'clock. I'm like, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this I'm not yes. go home early for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but and then I and then I saw that you had like Louis Thirteenth mini bottles of of Louis the Thirteenth. Yes. So happen? basically, okay. So what we did was the interesting thing was our birthdays combined made a hundred. Okay. So we served Louis Tres cognac, which takes a hundred years to make. So right. when we did our family dinner, we each had a toast to the Louis Tres cognac, and right. we did the same thing with my groomsmen just before we went down the aisle. We had a, a hundred year old toast together. Was it all fuzzy memories? Did you balance yourself out with a glass of water or something in between the cocktails? <laughs> I have a very simple rule. Yes. You drink water when the sun is up and cocktails when the sun is down. It's called a balanced life. <laughs> I don't I'm know if that. that. I, I would be a night person then. That would be bad. <laughs> I would be up all night. I love my cocktails. <laughs> No, but I mean, I mean, it just sounds incredible. And you know what I really love about that is that you really connected with all of the guests. When I was reading through all of the the, the people that were there, these were real f friends, people yes. that have been a big part of your life and had been there through thick and thin. And, I mean, and take 176 people showed up from five different continents, from 11 different countries. Wow. It was extraordinary. Well, and then you had, and then you had this amazing meal, and then you had like these incredible chefs, like Todd English there. I mean, I Todd English was there. Eric Repair was there. I mean, we had uh, we had some of the the finest and the best. I mean, listen, you know, some people collect jewelry, some people collect cars, real estate, wives. I collect people. <laughs> I'm and I have an more. extraordinary twenty first century contemporary collection of fabulous people. It was amazing. It was amazing. I loved living vicariously through your the photos of and the and the little mini video that you had on your on your Facebook or Instagram. It was one of the two that I was watching. I just thought, oh my God, this is the way to live. This and is then the, the funny part was 
because of all the dress codes for all these different events. Right. We had some people, I don't know if you know, you know Norma Cohen from Norma yeah. Cohen Production. She's a very dear friend of mine. She's a major fashionista. She came with seven massive pieces of luggage. Not one, seven pieces of luggage. Jeez, don't say a word. About my uh, uh, <laughs> oh my god you're living the life of riley man there there are people that this is the kind of and you know and and to be and what's incredible is that you started this and, and if i read this right being um put into the military at 17 you were drafted turned 17, 17 on the train on the way into the military which made it legal really yeah, and it was, it was mandatory. It was, uh, it was during the apartheid years in South Africa. Right. So I do it for myself. Every time I'd, I had to do a push-up, I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for myself. And uh, then I I found my way into the sick bay yeah. and, uh, and then started working as a medic and then was sent to the operational area. Uh, so I was literally in an active war for 18 months. God. I mean, While I was there, I delivered 13 babies. No, you um, did not. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was an incredible oh experience. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I with your helicopters to fly in and do all these casualty evacuations and stabilize patients. I mean, it was an, it was an insane thing to do at such an early age. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you, I mean, wow, to be there at the beginning of life in a time of war, I mean, that there's just something crazy about that. And then I love what your mom, you asked your mom why, and she gave you the, the, the spoken bike spoken yeah, analogy. I, said, no, I remember complaining to her and she wrote a letter back to me. She said, consider yourself a spoke in a wheel. She said, you can only make it stronger and make it go faster. Don't try and slow it down. And that the sum of the parts is more than the sum of the pieces. And that's basically was was how I got my mindset around how did I get through. I mean, the South African military was no walk in the park. I mean, it was, was basically Israeli military. Right. It was, it was pretty hardcore. But while I was there, this is a really cool idea. I then went to the major and I said, Major, I just want to do something for the morale of the troops. I said, why didn't you let me take the helicopter? I love helicopters. And I flew to Grootfontein <laughs> in Namibia because we went based just on the border of, 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 of Southwest Africa and Angola. Right. And I got a tent. I got jute. I got a ghetto blaster. I got a couple of, 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 of uh, blenders and a few <laughs> beverage servers. And I came up and I set a bar. Put a little fountain, out, fountain outside the front. I called it the Sunset Bar. I wallpapered it in jute, and I drew all these scenes on the walls. I had the, the blender going, and I was in business. You started at a young age. And the funny thing was, the funny thing was that there was a beverage server. You know the big beverage, the glass thing with a little spigot on the bottom? Yes, yes, so You yes, can yes. make punch for 40 people instead of making it for one. Right. So I had a, I had a cocktail of the day, and that was always in the front of the bar. And I then ended up, you won't believe this, at Home Shopping Network, I took this whole idea, reinvented it, and I sold 150,000 units of beverage oh service gosh. on the Home Shopping Network <laughs> 50 years later. <laughs> I'm like, a barrel, of, a barrel of rum's fine, but... I know, I just love this, you know, because they say there's no there's no uh, new ideas, just ideas repurposed and refashioned into something. It's like music. New. You don't need to make a new song. You just need to remix the old ones. <laughs> Keith, I still like the glass boat. I know. Right. But you might be in second position right now after hearing all this. <laughs> this is, that, 
but you know, so you were already doing events then. What was what happened after that? How did you get to a point that you opened your own company? What was happening? You know, the the so I came out notes. of the military. I came yeah, out of the military. Notes. Yeah, and uh, I, I I worked in hospitality, and I ended up running a what was a, a health spa before, which we turned into conference center. Right. And then I looked around and I thought to myself, I don't believe in the government. I don't believe in the future. I don't believe in the policy. I don't want to spend my hardest working years in something that I don't believe in. And where oh, could you. I go where we spoke the same language, the weather was similar, yeah. and you know I might get some success. So I set my heart on Los Angeles. So I arrived in Los Angeles with $400, one well-cut suit, an omnipresent suntan, and big dreams. <laughs> I love the well-cut suit and the omnipresent suntan, right? I love it. And, and so I, worked, you- I, so I worked in a catering company for six weeks, and I found out for six weeks, and I found out who the rental company was, where they got the waiters from, where the flowers came from, where the meat market was, where the fish market was. Right. And... Uh, Six weeks later, I had a small little catering company. And, no. Uh, and oh, I my gosh. Awesome vendors. I love it. And this was the time when California cuisine was, everything was in a bed of something, right? Right. So they took a piece of chicken, and they beat the <laughs> shit is- out of it, and then they marinated it for 12 hours, and then they put it in a bed of something, and they sprinkled something on top of it, and they put a sauce all over it. Yes, right? yes. And that was and California it for cuisine. $800 a plate. Yes. <laughs> And I just, you know, I'd done the European thing. So for me, it was like angel hair pasta with tomato sauce and fresh basil, insalata tricolore, bronzino cooked in salt. So I had this whole European idea, and it caught on very, very quickly. And within minutes, Sherry Rivera was a client of mine who was the ex-wife of Heralda. And she was dating this young guy called Bruce Willis, who was about to break out in a show that was called Moonlighting. And at that party, I met Barbara Streisand and then Schwarzenegger. And then all of a sudden, I was this young kid in L.A. doing every big break for great party. I mean, it was like, no one, there's no such thing as overnight success. It took a long time to get there and a lot of hard work. But right. all of a sudden, I was this young kid doing, doing the most incredible parties. And if you think of our industry back then, right. it wasn't at all like the events that we produce today. There Nothing. wasn't such a thing as a bar. A bar was a banquet table. With yes. a tablecloth over the top of it. And the tablecloth right. had more plastic in them than you found in my credit card. <laughs> so I would I would start making my own tablecloths and covering pools. And I would cut a, a, a PCV uh, pipe, 18 inches, yeah. and put it on the legs of the table. So I had bar height tables. Yep. And, uh, all these crazy things. There was, and the furniture, there was no fin- rental furniture sofas. It has to go to the old antique right. store. They used stuff. I used to buy all this stuff, put slipcovers over them. And the next minute, I had the shabby chic look going. So the necessity, was the necessity was the cause of invention. So what, 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 what are you, 25 at this point? 23. 23. 23. I arrived, at, I arrived at the age of 23 on the 16th of September, 1985. That's incredible. Mm. And so you here you, I mean, and of course you have no limitations about what the possibilities are because boom, 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 boom. You just kept finding opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and filling the need that nobody knew that they wanted. So we're, I'm about to go full yeah. circle with yeah. your book. But um, so what was your first book? You know, when did you go, okay, you know what? I, I want to be able to, to express myself in the written word. Because, and we said this before we went live, I said, you know, you have a way of, of connecting with people 
through your the written word. Sure. So was that well, you know, it was, things were very different then. Remember, yeah. there was no internet, right? right? So the only way you could get your news and the only outlets were newspapers, magazines, and television and radio, right? Right. So I started, somebody asked me to do something and I did one or two spots on television. And because of that, I got to do a couple more. Then I became a correspondent for someone. Right. And uh, one thing kind of led to, led to the other. And then uh, I was approached to do my, no, I wasn't approached. I tried to do the first TV show. That didn't work. I went to two different publishers. Nobody wanted to listen to me. And then I found a great agent. And then I ended up doing my first book. And I called my first book Effortless Elegance. I, re- I saw a, it. Yeah, the yeah, I saw it. The book with the black and the, and the, and the cream straps. And yes, it was yes. Huge That's, thing. I really, have that. Yeah, it really established me. And every one of those were my recipes that I cooked for years. And it just became like, you know, the entertaining book of the moment. <laughs> and then from so, that, that, that led me to start doing, and then I did the, the next wedding book was my wedding with Colin Calvi Weddings, which came right. next. And, uh, and then I started doing some regular television. And I became God. a correspondent for the early show, CBS. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then I decided to come and live in New York as a primary office. I kept an office in LA and I based myself out of New York. And then all that Middle Eastern work started. Because right. At the time, the Middle East was just starting to throw these big parties. They didn't have the infrastructure that they have now. Right. So it either came out of New York or London. And um, mm-hmm. that opened up another whole new world. And then I did my TV show, which was uh, Everyday Elegance with Colin Cowie. I did that for seven years. God, just, I mean, you know, when I listen to you talk about your life, it's just incredible. I mean, it's, it is it is a dream life. I mean, it's just incredible. And and the thing is that, that it happened to you at such a young age that you didn't have those, again, those limitations already put in your head of like, oh, no, you can't do that. No, why would you be accepted? No, yeah. you have to go through. And it's amazing that you you still have that joy, that essence, that, I don't know, this, it's almost exuding from you, this joy of doing events and having. You know, I was so, during the pandemic, when the pandemic was really bad for most people, but I was really bad of every situation. If you look, if you look hard enough in the dark, you will find the light. Right. And I just decided that this next chapter was going to be my most important and my most exciting chapter. And I've got so many things and so many new projects that we're working on now. I feel like I'm still just getting started. And I have an incredible amount of energy and passion to do things, and make new things. Well, my favorite was like, I read somewhere that you had a, a hot sauce that you were selling. <laughs> Colin Cowie hot sauce. Is that true? <laughs> it, it was actually, it was just a little something we did for television. Uh, okay, I good. Made, I made a few bottles. <laughs> I didn't sell them. Because <laughs> it, it said something like perfect for your swag bag or something. And exactly. I was like, oh, that's There's funny. a little YouTube series we had. <laughs> I was like, he even got into hot sauce. Well, so let's talk. So let's talk about your book. You know, let's talk, you know, talking about your gold standard, right? Why did you decide to write this particular book? Because you'd already written 10 other books at this point. Correct. So the reason I wrote the gold standard, and I started this pre-pandemic, and I'm sure you will all agree with me that at the time, we didn't need another hotel, another wedding planner, another floral designer, another product, another service, or a piece of technology, or another app. We were over-assorted in all areas, in all categories. And what you really need to figure out, how do you stand out in the crowd? Right. right. So I finished the book, and then the pandemic came along. 
um, book was printed, and I realized how timely it was. Because many people say, how long did it take to write the book? Well, the answer is 35 years. Because the book really gives you how I started and all the things that you need to do to run a business, to run a business with good culture. Right. And, and, and to make sure that you have a rich culture to support all these ideas, that the team is all working in one direction towards one goal with one captain in the place to, so that we do get to do things better than anybody else. So what I realized that was during the pandemic, we had all changed our product, changed our websites, some changed our vocabulary. We changed the people that we were working with. It was the perfect time to look at your business and say, has the vision changed? Right. If not, keep to the vision, but the mission statement, how are we going to get there? That needed a bit of work. And your guiding principles, these are the things that keep the team all together in the glue. I figured no better time to do that than now again. And then right. I wrote the book for one reason, because I think at the end of the day, I call it the customer seduction, right? Because what is it that we're looking for? Right. We want to stand out in a crowd. And in a crowded space, when you have an interaction with something, the most important thing that you want to do, right, is you want to be able to make sure that you're emotionally connected with that customer. Right. Because the emotionally connected customer are loyal to you. They shop more freely. They're not price sensitive. They like to receive information from you. And most importantly, they tell all your friends about you. That's unvaluable. That's <laughs> true. Word of mouth is everything. It is everything. Completely. So the, the goal was, you know, how do we create that emotional connection? And then I say, the most important thing is when it comes to customer service, that's how you really create the emotional connection. And that's mm -hmm. how we do stand out in the crowd. And there's two types of service in this world. There's reactive service. Mm -hmm. When something goes wrong, you put up your hand. And if somebody handles it correctly, you can get some loyalty and you can buy yourself you know, uh, yes. a lifetime with a client. Right. However, that's the easy way. It's the lazy way. 95% right. of the world service providers provide reactive service. Correct. Proactive service means we get to anticipate the unanticipated needs of the guest. Right. So when you think about that today, I was to Google your name, I could find out everything about you, good, bad, or indifferent. It's <laughs> unbelievable when you yeah. think about it because there's so much information between the internet and your social media to learn so much about you that I can now craft a customer service experience that will engage you in an incredible way and it'll do so because I get to anticipate the unanticipated things that you're anticipating. And it's because I found that information from you in the first place. Right. So that's the whole idea of it. So it starts with personalization. Right? When you ever start with any customer interaction, is that use their name, repeat the name, write the name down, make sure that you connect with them, make sure that you create that personal connection. Right. And then secondly, you want to make sure that you have great attention to detail in everything that you're doing. Someone can ask you for a water, right? You can give them a bottle of water, which most people do. Or right. you could bring it on a tray from CB2 for $3, okay, with a little plate with a slice of lemon, orange, and lime, yep. a napkin, a bottle, and a glass. That water is an experience, right? That's attention to detail. That's and amazing. then we realized that I love elegance, and I think that you can add a full sort of elegance to anything. Right, because True. all it does when you add it for development, it elevates the service naturally. And then realizing on the back end, that's the delivery side. On the back end, none of this happens without teamwork and communication. Right. 
They're the brothers right. and sisters of success. How do you get the teams to work efficiently together, to share information with one another, and to set up one another for success, realizing that the person that you are dealing with, um, you want to make sure that they are set up for success. In other words, the person sitting next to you, your internal customer is just as important as your external customer. Yes. Right? Yes. In-house. We talk about yeah. that. Yeah. We do. We talk about the yeah. fact that, yeah. you know, customer service between ourselves, that yeah. we need to mm-hmm. provide our own customer service yeah. within our own company. Yeah. You know, just because the most you work important part yeah. of, The most important part of all of this with service delivery is consistency. Yes. You have to do everything on a consistent basis because if you go to a restaurant five days in a row and the food is amazing, you tell the whole world about it. You go there on a Sunday evening, you think, there's a new chef, somebody changed a recipe or a menu or something, you lose confidence immediately. So consistency is the goal of right. service delivery. And you can only have consistency if you've got the right protocols and standards in place. Those are the, the marching orders that everybody gets to make sure that they compete everything. Yeah, because if you go to that restaurant six times and the at five times are amazing, but the sixth time is awful, they're going to remember the sixth time that was awful. Yes. It's human nature. That's all they remember. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. You know, but now, now that you, you obviously you found, you found success, you worked hard for it all your life. Do you find that, that there are pre um, kind of uh, people have an idea of who you are, how you do things before they actually work with you? I mean, because, you, because you are in the public eye, you, you know, you've done a million different art. Do people have a preconceived idea of what it is like to work with you? Um, I really can't answer that question, but I, I do know that the people that do come to work with us, that work with us, yeah, um, I have as much respect for them as they have for me. I could not do what I do without the team of unbelievably talented, committed, professional people that we have with us. I love and adore each and every one of them. And it's amazing. Uh, you know, that's what that's what gets me excited every day is to work with other creative, smart people. I love Marcy? how you actually. I love how you talked about in your book. So I'm in the middle of listening to it right now. I love how you talked about your um, the person that tended to you on a daily basis before you moved. Oh, this is amazing because you know when you think about it, and I wrote a book on customer service, and whenever I've written a book, the one thing I've always done is I've written the introduction at the very end when I finished the whole book. So I was thinking to myself, what was the best customer service I ever had? Was it flying on the Concorde? Was it staying at the Ritz in Paris? Was it on some magnificent safari in Africa over the plains of the Serengeti? What was it? And then I realized I've lived with it. I've lived with it for the last 25 years in my own home. And so I ended up dedicating my first business book to my executive housekeeper. And she was just the most extraordinary, extraordinary woman. We worked together for 25 years. So she turned 75. And after my wedding, when the pandemic happened, she decided to go into retirement. But I've never missed anyone so much in my life before or had more respect for anyone. Because the way Gertrude lived the gold standard, 100%, every single day. In 25 years, I think she had seven days off. She had vacations and things, but I think it was. Oh, I was about days, to say. <laughs> there were seven days that she didn't show up for work because she wasn't well. I mean, her work ethic was something like I've never seen before. That's incredible. Marcy? 
That is. No, I, I mean, I'm just, it's the book itself. I mean, the progression that you're taking us through and it's, it's kind of like you're, like you're transporting each and every reader into from one area to the next. It's just amazing how well written it is. Thank so well, you, and it, how long did it take of, you to kind write? It takes you on a journey for the things that you need to do to win the big result. Right? Yes. Let's always say that failure is so important. And you wrote that in a year? Uh, the book took was about 18 months to write, but it was a lifetime of of, of, of intellectual property that that landed between those covers. Yeah, right. I actually tell people all the time, I'm like, look, you're you're not paying me for the 30 minutes it takes me to do something. You're paying me for the 30 years that allow me to do it in 30 minutes. Exactly. So I, I, I mean, I totally get that. Do you find that there is a different work ethic? Because you do events all over the world. Work ethics uh, in the United States versus other countries. I mean, do you have to? The work uh, ethic here is unbelievable. I mean, I've never seen more hardworking people. It's, it's crazy, right? Because I, I hear done. I, <laughs> and I hear people all the time. They're like, "Man, Americans really work all the time." And well, where you, there's a lot of competition. Right? Yeah, there yeah. never used to be the amount of competition that we have today, I and mean, that's we've been a completely flooded environment. Yeah. So that, well, you know, the idea was, to, how do you stand out in that crowd? Well, and then especially right now, I don't know because you're you're actually in Miami right now, and so you know the South Florida market is really rough right now. I was actually talking to a client earlier today, and she's like, "Why am I not getting responses from hotels and caterers and florists?" And I'm like, "Because the market is so flooded right now, and we're having such major issues when it comes to labor." Do you feel like your team is having to amp up their customer service to a whole nother level in order to make up for the lack of customer service that we're getting on some of the other sides? I think everybody understands that we have, you know, we have a supply chain issue and we have a labor issue. And so I've been to you know, telling clients and listen, I send you that proposal. I need an answer <laughs> right away because if I don't pay the deposit on these vendors or creative right. partners, as I prefer to call them, but right. if I don't pay them now, there's a good chance someone's going to pay them more to go and work on their project. And I, I mean, think... that's uh, we, we're seeing that all over the board. I mean, we had a rental company the other day in New York. They said, sorry, we have no drivers. You want more chairs? Come fetch them. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other rental company delivered the chairs to us in boxes. They had to be assembled. Oh, wow. you, 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 you're expecting 200 chairs to arrive, and they arrive in boxes. All of a sudden, you're buying power drills to start putting chairs together. Exactly. Like, uh... <laughs> wow. But, you know, and, and that's incredible because you would think that, you know, you, your next level when it comes to the, the clientele and the, and the budget, and it's funny that somebody would send it to you in boxes. I would have a heart attack, to be honest. I would be like, they just sent bumped. me a bunch of boxes. <laughs> yeah, because I'd be giving you the drill. Yes, absolutely. Listen, we, know this business. we all know this business. It's sink or swim, right? You figure out how to swim quickly. Right. I do a really and- great doggy paddle. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do for fun? What do, what do you do on on your off time? And because you work all the time, you know, you're you're writing books, you're doing you have multiple offices, all of you know, three different offices. I always just have in the fun. Yeah, I always find time. I love to entertain. I love to have friends at home. I love having house guests. It's like checking into the best hotel in the world. I was about um, to say, you know, you're you're staying with Colin Cowie. You better yeah. it better be damn good, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And then I I guess it's the daily exercise, the meditation, the balance in life. Um, I travel a lot, which is where I get a lot of my inspiration from. 
and have a have a, a fun a busy summer plan, but a fun summer plan. Yeah, is it? But I just went three uh, three weeks ago. I was in Venice for the Biennale, and I love to go to events yes. like that because you see clients, you meet new clients, and you're inspired by the world's greatest art- artists coming together and exhibiting in one place. Do you have a favorite event? Uh, the next. Is there one. an event that, but outside of your wedding, let's say, because I know your wedding it's, was it's all, for next me. It's level. always the first of this. Uh, the, the Swiss answer would be it's the next one, right? Yeah, because that's what you're <laughs> most excited about. That's what your client wants to hear, right? right. And uh, and that's where you, everyone's engaged in. Uh, but we have some very exciting parties coming up. Really, really exciting parties, and it's nice wanna... to be so busy again. Yes, it is. Marcy, go ahead. When you want to relax or just like do something fun and exciting just for yourself, for you and your husband, where is it that you like to go? Like, yeah, what where, do you, where do you travel to? What do you to? like to do? We like to stay at home because oh, we I travel so already. much. Ah, <laughs> we travel, that's true. We travel <laughs> so true. much. We're always flying here for this, that, and the next thing. That to right. be at home is an absolute luxury. I mean, I was away for two weeks I got home like four, four, four days ago to spend a weekend, the whole weekend at home. It's like a joy. Wake up in your own bed. <laughs> True. <laughs> Do you watch trash TV? Uh, <laughs> you know, like reality TV. shows or, you know. The reality yeah. shows. I'm loving Netflix all these things right now. I mean, I just, I just, you know, reinventing Anna Dolby was really good. Um, oh, so good. I thought that was amazing. I just finished watching now. Um, we crashed. I thought with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto was incredibly well done. Incredible. It's, uh, there's some great stuff out there. Yeah, and I actually was I, I didn't even know about you know that that whole show was about a, a you know the the office pay. I had no idea that even existed. I saw you see the real. You need to watch the real documentary first, and then you need to watch the the Netflix version or the Hulu version. It was really well done. What is it called? So, we crashed. It's called crashed. We Crashed. Instead of you, we work, we crashed. Yeah, uh, you have to I, you have to watch this. It's a, it, I just Jared saw Leto. Bridgerton recently, so I'm doing a little catch-up. <laughs> so, oh, that's that's a really great question. Are you finding that there are TV shows that are starting to influence what people are asking you to do, like Bridgerton? I think Bridgerton is the one that stands out the most, for sure. I mean, I don't think I cannot think of another television show that's had a bigger impact on what we do since that show came out what two years ago. Right. And are you getting, I mean, is it getting to a point where you're just like, Because we're certainly not inspired by Dope Sick and Adelvi or We Crashed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and then, but, you know, and then when it comes to weddings and events, what kind of trends are you starting to see? Not that, not the trends that you're obviously creating, but are you starting to see other trends like Bridgerton that are coming into play more and more? With I, think Bridgerton's, being- I think Bridgerton's probably had its moment. I think we're probably looking for the next one right now, and uh, right. I think it's you know it's uh, it's uh, we're living in an event revolution right now. I mean, yes. On Thursday, I saw on Thursday on the fourth of June, we have four events. I haven't had one day in twenty years. We had four events on the one day. We have an engagement in Southern California. Yeah. We have two weddings and a bar mitzvah, Two weddings and a and a bar mitzvah in New York the same day. Wow, I'm and I'm able to attend the three on the East Coast. And you're gonna you're gonna be at each event. You're gonna show face at each of the three events on the East Coast. 100. percent 
God, Two of them are like a, ten blocks away. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good. Okay, I was about. I was to like, fill up the chat. <laughs> That's good. I can have cocktails at one, and I can have the first course at the other one, and the dessert at the third. That's incredible. That that's incredible. And, and then I, you know, now that you've done one book, is there another book kind of in your head that you're like, oh, I've already got plans for another one? Not right now. Um, it would probably be a sequel to to the gold standard because there's so many things that I still want to say about the subject and the topic. Right. Um, but we're doing very exciting. You know, I've been working for three years with Central Park Tower, uh, which is the tallest residential building in the Western Hemisphere. And um, we're opening our first restaurant. So I've been creative oh. director of this building for since it, since it started to go up. And so now I've got three great uh, chefs, Lauren Turundal, Alfred Patali, and Gabriel Kreuter, all two and three star chefs. Yes. So they work with us. So every 90 days, my menu rotates. So there's always something new and different. It's on the hundredth floor of the tower, so it's got the best views wow. in the city. This is my filing cabinet. That's big. I, it is full <laughs> in forty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hundredth <laughs> floor, and it. And yeah. I mean, but I mean, a restaurant I, is this. So this is your first restaurant. I mean, it's I, my first. I, yes. So I, I, I started a, a pop-up restaurant, which I did at the Boca Raton Club, right. uh, called Marisol. And I did that um, 18 months ago, and now it's been turned into a permanent restaurant. So that'll happen the next two to three months. So I love this whole idea of, you know, and it's the gold standard, how we apply the gold standard to what you design. The design part for me is the easy part. How you bring it alive and how we make you feel is what's the most important part. Which comes back to your whole lifestyle brand. Yeah, that comes back to your whole lifestyle, you know, lifestyle It's all about how I make you feel. Well, I mean, I feel like the ice cream truck and the hot dog stand I was like striving for. I may as well just forget it. Just trash it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Well, and it's funny that you even brought up, and so earlier you brought up meditation and exercise. It's like my, the worst thing I can ever do is meditation and exercise. I feel like was it, has that, that always been part of your, your lifestyle? Is it part of the reason that you're able to have so much energy and be able to do all these things when we talk about balance? The exercise, I try to do something at least six days a week. Right, so at least you know forty minutes of workout in the gym, or by riding my bicycle, or going for a very long, brisk walk. Right. Um, but the thing that I do is an app that I use on the phone, and it's called Calm. You've probably all seen this. Yes. Calm. Yes. Calm. It is great. Ten minutes when you wake up, you get up in the morning, you go pour yourself a glass of hot water and lemon juice. You get right back into bed, and you do the app, the Calm for 10 minutes. It allows you to set your stage for your day. It allows you to own your day. It allows you to figure out what you want to do with your day. And once you've done that, you can now open yourself your phone and look at all these other things about the missile crisis that's happening in Ukraine and what's happening here, then everywhere else in the world. Otherwise, when you think about it, you've been asleep for six to eight hours. You pick up this phone. The first thing that you do is you toxicate your brain with all this negative stuff. Yep. So if you can put this away until you've done your hot water lemon and 10 minutes of meditation, okay, at your little prayer moment of the day, it's a very, very different mindset how this will affect you after you've chosen how you want your day to be. It's 10 minutes a day. Everyone can do it. 
That's incredible. I mean, I, I I'm gonna actually try it, and I don't typically will do things like this, but yeah, I, yeah. you know, I figure I'll do it. And of course, Brooke is like, "Oh, I get to go back to bed for ten minutes." Done. I'm like, "Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I'm calling in. I'm calling in. That's a great I'm like, get out, make coffee, make the bed, and then start your day. Yeah. You get uh, me with hot water, let me crawl back into bed." and it doesn't cost anything no that and that's it and that's the best part well and talking about not costing anything what do you ha, because earlier you were talking about the fact that you travel so much and i was before we went live you people up next to you and then you know try to like pick your brain for something because you know one of the things that happens all the time is people try to get free advice out, out of me and I'm like well that's how I make a living but I'm happy to set up an appointment but you seem so giving I and... figured out a long time ago that I don't own any of this that I'm a right. custodian okay? yes and the more that I give and the more that I'm generous the more I get to give and the bigger my platform to get becomes so at the end of the day I'm just the conduit and it's really really true I am a ridiculously generous human being to the point that some people said, why would you tell them that? Why would you give them that? You know, it's fine. If they can do it the same way as I can do it, bravo. They will to, I'm, I'm happy for them to do it. Because right. I always do something new and different next time. I've used that idea already. So share it and give it away. So and this I, began- I, and I, do find, I do find that the more generous you become, yeah. the more generous life becomes with you. So how do you handle it when a client has an idea that you know is going to look tacky? Or not well. I'm a ruthless editor. <laughs> Do you really? Do you say, no, man, that's not happening? <laughs> I'll try and rephrase it and say, maybe we could do that in the rehearsal dinner on the Sunday brunch. Yeah. Macrame is not really for the tell. wedding. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a diplomatic uh, approach. <laughs> there's always a diplomatic way to deal with it. Right? I always then, tell then, Keith, it's your job to talk about bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and then there have been areas before where I just knew it's not going to be a good fix. And I said, you know, you have to want to understand one other thing in this industry. Everyone thinks this thing and we're waiting for the next job. Right. I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me. Because I've got to get into bed with them for the next nine months to a year. Right? Yep. So if it doesn't start off well, we know it's only going to get worse. So exactly. there are certain times when I won't take on an event because of, I just know the questions that are being asked, what they want. The moment somebody wants to rewrite my contract, is it, you know what, it worked for Oprah Winfrey and 20,000 other people. If it doesn't yep. work, don't work for, if it worked for them and it can't work for you, I think we're having a problem on day one. Maybe yeah, I can't fit a California king in my shoebox, Keith. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and that and, and that's one of the other things is that you, you know, because you're working with so many well-known people, have, do egos get in the way? Because I know my personal ego might get in the way sometimes of myself. But you know, do you do you then have to like okay, you know, because you again, you're a people pleaser. You're, Listen, you're, yes, I'm a people pleaser, but I'm also an artist, and I have impeccable taste and style. Right, so when someone's going to start pushing and pushing and pushing, eventually right. you go from passion to you're a customer, you're a client. You can have whatever right. you want. Okay. And that's because what the relationship is. If you know shifts. much, if you know so much more than I do, okay, whatever you want. You want 10, you can have 15. Right. Because that's, that it's your event, not mine. Right. Yeah, you're it's, just, it's, become, it's a transition that happens where I go from mm-hmm. artist right. to commercial. So is it, it does it, is it a, a blessing when people say, you know what, you are the artist, 
have at it. Here, no, I, I think like- no, I think I think the whole idea is collaboration. It's right. like how do we become your storyteller? You tell us what you want to say, right? And we'll figure out how to tell your guests what you told us to tell them, right? And in doing so, we make it beautiful and glamorous and chic and sexy and uh, all the things that it can all and should things. be. Yeah. But it usually starts with that that initial conversation. You know, I I always I always find that the first that first 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour conversation is where I get most of the information yeah. from from them. Yes. And and able to pull some type of vision. Yeah, you know, but a hard client is one that has zero idea of what they like. Oh, so that's usually or, the better client because then they trust you more. It's the client who's got the client with no taste is better than the client with a little bit of taste. <laughs> or a client that thinks they have one taste. One listens and the other one doesn't. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. So if you wanted to like get a, across one thing to somebody that is just getting into the industry, because we do have a lot of people that are just starting out into the event industry, um, you know, obviously read your book, right? But, um, you know, what would be a, a really good piece of advice as somebody that, you know, work their way up hard, hardcore from 17 doing their first big event for the military at 17 <laughs> uh, think, to you moving to the United States. I think that in a very crowded space, you have to figure out how can I distinguish myself and how can I be different, right? So what does my website look like? What do my images look like? You know, what is what, do, what does it look like that I'm selling? Your brand, I think yeah. that's really important because that's the voice of who you are and that's what your product is. Right? And then it's the all, I think, how you treat the clients. You treat your clients incredibly well. They'll tell their friends about you and they'll tell their friends about you. Word of mouth is worth more than anything in this world today. You know, and then just following up on every single possible lead you can. You know, Take on every job that you possibly can. Find your niche and stay right. at it. Just realize that we, we are working in a very saturated space. We are in an industry with no barrier to entry, right? Mm. In other words, it's an unregulated space. A girl, a girl can get married today, and next week she comes back from her honeymoon and says, I'm a wedding planner, right? <laughs> oh, good luck, darling. <laughs> good luck. Well, we've <laughs> had quite a number of those. We have had a few, a few of those. There are a lot of those people. I've seen a lot <laughs> of know how that works on out. Their, I've seen a lot of images on their websites. <laughs> what do you say when you have a client that is looking for something that just – Right now is not attainable. Like, like you just cannot locate it. Is there something you, you know what, Marcy? We find it. I was going to say, is that is that we even find a thing? It. Yeah, you know, I was about to say. I would say, unless it's illegal mm-hmm. or it's dangerous, mm. we'll make it happen. One yeah. way or another, we'll make it happen. And I think even on the dangerous Lost a lot of lanterns of Wizard Girl. We're fine with that. <laughs> yeah. As long as the wind is going in the right direction, we'll be fine with the <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Colin. I hate you on Sunday. <laughs> yes, you're going to hate me this Sunday. I know. <laughs> Colin, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, it has been incredible to hear about your journey and everything that you've gone through and about the new book. I mean, Holy moly. If you haven't gotten this book, it you need to go out. It's available Definitely. on uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. It's the golden standard. You want to go out and get this book. Colin, thank you so much for being on on the show. We loved you. Had a great time. Thank you so much. Book policy. Keith. Wonderful job. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. Thank you. Colin. Thank you.